Hey everybody, midweek edition of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm JJ Jerez, your host with me, Arif Dean, to break down all things avalanche. And uh, there's a couple things to get to, a couple noteworthy, uh, newsworthy things that happened in the past week. And basically just the avalanche trimming down the roster, right? Getting uh, the the quote-unquote AHLers out of the, of the picture and getting ready to hit the... the <laughs> Hit the ground running on the season here with the main squad. So, um, Arif, how, how's it going? How are you? Let me take a second to regroup here and uh, get ready for the rest of the show. <laughs> it's all right. It's still preseason. You're going to have some uh, fumbles like that here and there. Um, as long as you're not doing it in like week three of the NFL season, nobody will get on you about it. Um, but that was a shot at the Broncos. Sorry, I had to. I uh, Yeah, the Avalanche. I mean, I, I love how quick things happen in the NHL. Like, there were 50-something skaters four days ago, and the Avalanche were like, cut, cut. Here's some more cutting. Also, here is Eustace Andenin and, you know, very last-minute cut and Mitchell Van, Van de Sopel or whatever the AHL guy's name is. <laughs> um, just a, It's like on uh, on Wednesday when we're at the preseason game, right? And you ask Coach Benner, should we be expecting some cuts tomorrow? And he's like, yeah. And you said before the game? He's like, probably before and yeah, after. Yeah, I said before, like, just, before We're going after, crazy. Said, we're going yeah, ham. He said both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it looks like, uh, but it's just, it's crazy how quick things go. Like today's practice, it was already trimmed down to one group. Like that's that's all it takes. You know, there are some battles here and there in the middle and the bottom of the lineup, which are pretty apparent by now. We'll discuss them. But for the most part, like, you know that Josh Jacobs and Ryan Wagner and, and even uh, Jonas Johansson, given where he is on the depth chart, Andreas Englund, uh, Charles Houdon, you know these guys, Keaton Middleton, are not going to make the team. It's just a matter of giving them an opportunity to see what they've, where they've improved, where their development's at, and then, all right, thank you for your time. Go on down to the AHL camp. Yeah, I think the most noteworthy cut, I think, of the week is going to be Alex Galchenyuk, right? We, it's not, it's not often you see a PTO get that short of a look, um, but now we know what actually happened a couple days after the fact. So he, he, a bit of an injury there. It sounds like he tweaked something, but interesting that Jared Bednar says that. Um, you know, they might circle back with him later down the road once he's healed and, uh, you know, reinitiate those conversations. Yeah, and, and that's cool to see that. He also mentioned something along the lines of how there's a lot of, you know, fringe depth forwards that deserve to have a spot on the lineup. But, man, you got to feel for a guy like Galchenyuk. Like, just, just from a real-life standpoint, when you go in on a—like, put it this way. If Brad Hunt gets injured yesterday and he's out for two months, which I don't know how long Galchenyuk's going to be out, well— He's going to collect his paycheck. When you go in on a PTO to do the one thing you know how to do, which is play hockey, and then you get injured for two months, that's it. You, you don't get a paycheck. The Avalanche might entertain chatting with him when he's healthy again, but between now and when he's healthy again, he's not collecting any paychecks from the Avalanche because he came in on a PTO and not, like, let's say, a league min deal. Like, if he's out for two months, that's the difference of on a league minimum contract of collecting, you know, roughly 200000 before taxes and, and escrow compared to literally nothing until until he's back and ready to go. I'm sure he's insured. I'm sure his medical coverage will be—his medical costs will be covered by the avalanche or insurance, however that works, but no actual salary coming in. It's just such a bummer. Yeah, on the other side of things, though, you got to— Think about the Colorado Avalanche, right? And it's a business, and they're not going to be paying oh, 100%. a guy to not be playing hockey. And and based yeah. off what we're hearing, it kind of sounds like it's a long-term injury yeah. or else they'd keep him around, right? 
Yeah, if it was if it was a few weeks, it would it would make sense to to keep him around. But it's sounding like it might be multiple months. But obviously, no guarantee on that. But Jared, the words he used were significant time. So, whatever that means is what it means. But you know, I'm not saying the Avalanche should do the common courtesy thing of of you know paying him. But it's when you bet on a PTO, this is one of the possibilities. You can insure yourself medically, and I'm sure that's part of the professional tryout where your medical bills are covered, but you don't get to collect the paycheck. Alternatively, there's UFAs that signed deals in the summer that got injured. Well, now they're going to collect paychecks. Ilya Mikheyev is going to be out for a little while. He's going to collect a paycheck, for example. So it's just from a real-life, real-world standpoint, it's a bummer to see something like that happen. It's not like he can, you know, got released from his PTO and can go sign elsewhere. Or just he's injured, and now he, all he's got to focus on is, is recovery and, and getting back up to, in the swing of things in the next few months. Yeah, you, you feel for the guy for sure. I mean, obviously high hopes come into the avalanche and, you know, he had chances to even play top six if if everything went well for him. And then this is the way it's ending. But again, to the severity of the injury, hearing that the avalanche are possibly going to be interested in reaching back out once he is healthy kind of tells you, again, they're not worried about other teams swooping in and, and picking him up off, uh, you know, off waivers. Which, I mean, in the end... Maybe someone does. Maybe maybe they're not maybe they're not worried about it where it's a very low risk if they do lose him. But you know, there's no guarantee he signs with the Avalanche if if he's healthy November first and Colorado, which November first, that's in like 33 days. How quickly this year is flying. But if he's healthy, let's say December first, and and uh, the Avalanche don't put in an offer right away, but maybe the Vancouver Canucks do, or the Edmonton Oilers, or the Detroit Red Wings, or whoever, and he's like, screw it, I'm just going to go there. Like, there's no guarantee that this kid is going to be an F. There's no guarantee they're going to sign him. But what it sounds like from Jared was, Jared did say he had a good camp, he liked what he was seeing, but it was a little interesting, because like, he went to Minnesota for that game on Sunday, and then on Monday wasn't on the ice, and then the cut wasn't announced until Wednesday. So it was very, where the hell is this guy, kind of strange. Ended up obviously ended up being because of an injury. Yeah, I get it. You just got to think from his perspective. If the Avalanche come calling, I mean, that's a phone call you want to pick up, right? I mean, yeah. of all the teams in the NHL, I think there are very few you'd rather be with right now, especially if you're trying to reignite your career. Yeah, no, for sure. But it's just a matter of things could change on the Avalanche's side. Maybe they end up making another waiver claim similar to Nicholas Abe Kubel, and they're looking good, and they just don't need him. You never know. Mm -hmm. Good point. And with that, you know, we're seeing the, I don't want to call it the emergence because it's been a while, but the, the slow emergence of Martin Kaut, right? I think for a second there, some of us were suspecting, oh, Alex Galchenyuk got cut because Jared Bednar is really liking Martin, Martin Kaut. Looks like Martin Kaut might take over that role. But obviously, like we discussed, that's not the case. But nonetheless, Martin Kaut has looked good. I mean, he's had a solid couple of games. Not so much last night in Vegas because nobody really had a good game there in the 7-1 to one beatdown. But the first couple games before that had a lot of good things to say about him. Uh, Jared Bednar even had a lot of good things to say about him as well. And, and you're kind of liking the direction he's headed right now. It's about how long can he sustain it. Yeah, I'm honestly like surprised at how much this story has caught on where it started with Martin Kaut. I don't remember the exact words because I was not in this particular scrum, which again, so great to have locker room access where we're not at everything. But um, he said something along the lines of like shit happens and that's why he hasn't been able to kind of stick in, in, in a spot uh these last few years and that he did mention something along the lines of knowing this could be one of his last opportunities to make the avalanche and then jared bedner literally like echoed those sentiments with like a yeah when you know 
you and I were texting about it when it happened, where it was like, by saying nothing, Jared said a lot, which is basically, yeah, like this is his last chance. And then he went out the very next preseason game, gets a penalty in the offensive zone, takes another minor later, not that much, not that good of a game, trying too hard. We discussed it on our last podcast on Monday. And then he goes out in the next preseason game, takes another offensive zone penalty, but man, that was a bad call. Jared even mentioned that when I asked him about it, ends up scoring a goal, getting an assist on the new hook tally. Um, and now Jared's suddenly giving him compliments and he's not part of the next round of cuts. He's, he's really in there making it a hard decision for the avalanche because there are some guys that maybe we've penciled in as regulars that might not be regulars if their preseason and their training camp doesn't turn around. I mean, think 12 months ago when, when Mikhail Maltsev was acquired in the Ryan Graves deal, it was, this is the avalanche's fourth line center. And that didn't happen. He got sent down during training camp and we're like, oh, I guess they're not as high on him. Well, the reality is they were high on him. He didn't show in training camp. They were no longer high on him. He gave them no reason to get a call up. They traded for Cogliano and Cogliano and Helm manned the fourth line. So it happens that quickly. So there's some guys in there that might feel like a week ago they had a spot locked up where suddenly you got a kid like Martin Kaut breathing down your neck. Let me put you on the spot real quick and forgive me if you get this wrong. I'm not trying to make you look stupid, (laughs) but how old is Martin Kaut? Nobody can make me look stupid but myself. But uh, given the fact that he was drafted in 2018, so he's 22. I would 22. Say. He's about to turn 23. Don't you in your head feel like he's older than that? I mean, he's been around long enough that it feels like he's around 25 or so. So maybe, you know, I understand it, it, it's his last chance, but perhaps we just were a little impatient with him in that development. I mean, I guess I didn't realize how young he was. I mean, look look around at the rest of the team. I mean, there's guys that are even a little bit older than him that are still kind of finding their place and, and finding their fit in the league. So, um, you know, perhaps this is the year where he breaks out and he's finally at that ma- more mature level that he can both mentally and physically prepare for the game better. Age is such a hard thing to kind of gauge in the NHL because I think Sam Gerrard's like 15 months older than him. So think of where Sam Gerrard was 15 months ago. Think of where... Martin Cowdis today. Bowen Byram's younger than him. Alex Newhook's younger than him. But the reason why it feels like he's been around for so long is because COVID, pre-COVID, he was a thing. Pre-COVID, he made his NHL debut. We are now two and a half years post-COVID. The Lightning have won two cups. The Avalanche have won a cup. And we're still kind of sitting there talking about Martin Cow. So, uh, and, and him cracking the lineup. It's the same thing as Shane Bowers. And Bowers was drafted just one year before him. So, it's quick that, you know, in the NHL, kind of your prime passes you by your prime age. And, um, you know, he's young. In the grand scheme of things, he's young and he could still turn it around. Someone like Devon Taves wasn't a regular until closer to his mid-20s. But uh, at this point in time, like the Avalanche know, based off of how long he's been here, which is now four summers, uh, that it's it's kind of put up or shut up time for him. But in the grand scheme of things, yes, he's young. If this guy makes it this year, he's got his whole life and career ahead of him. Right, and he can continue to get better. If, if he doesn't make it this year, there's a good chance his NHL career still flourishes because everybody peaks at different you times, right? I mean, there's according to skill set, when you're a fast player, you're probably going to be a lot better at hockey when you're younger. When you know maybe that's not necessarily your strength and you're more of an IQ player, perhaps the later years are where you thrive. So, um, yeah, everybody's different. Let's just see how it pans out. But I, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Martin Kaut. Yeah, and, and uh, I think I asked you this question over the summer, but let's see if you remember it. Do you know who the Vancouver Canucks backup goalie is going to be this season? Uh, 
You did ask me this. You got Demko at one. You got me. Oh, it's Spencer Martin. Spencer Martin, 2013 third-round draft pick, uh, 63rd overall with the first pick of the third round. The same year they selected Nathan McKinnon with the first pick of the first round and Chris Bigra with the first pick of the second round. They got Spencer Martin with the first pick of the third round. Spencer Martin played three games in that godforsaken 2017 season, did not see NHL time again until 2021-22, five seasons later, where he started six games. He was 3-0-3, so three wins and three overtime losses. He surrendered 11 goals on 218 shots, 1.74 goals against average, 950 save percentage, and six starts. That's how long it took this guy. It took him... And here we are. We're entering the 2022-23 season, nine years after he was drafted. And that's when Spencer... And I, I know it's a goalie. They kind of have a different development curve than than forwards and defensemen. But nothing nothing says Martin Kaut can't figure it out later. Um, I just think on this team, he's, he's running low on opportunities. And so far, so good in terms of preseason and training camp with him kind of saying, like, I, I deserve a shot. Right. We're not saying he's a lost cause by any means, but the clock is ticking here in Colorado. That's for sure. Um, Let's take a second to talk about our friends over at Superbook Sports. Football is back, and nobody is more excited than your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Just a couple weeks away till we could start taking those avalanche locks. Um, I don't know if you remember from last playoffs. I only did it twice, but I went 2-0, and and I did pregame videos of taking a, yeah. um, an avalanche pick that night. I'm going to get those going again, so um, look out for those. Thing. I had fun with those, and I'm going to do extra research, extra diving into it to make sure we're at least at a winning record by the end of the year, right? Because that's all that matters. Yeah, and if people actually follow along with your bets and and make those plays, let's hope that they're coming out positive by the end of the season. Right, right. I'm gonna have to put a, a disclaimer, right? Um, some sort of, or maybe even <laughs> if I own. lose ten straight bets that JJ gave me, he's paying for my losses. That's no. I was just gonna say uh, you're betting oh. at your own risk and gambling problem. Call one eight hundred. Uh huh. Okay, so the others are betting at their own risk, but for me, you're paying for my losses. Get out of here. Get out. You already got a free uh. magnet. <laughs> Um, (laughs) let's get into other notable cuts. We already touched on a handful of them, but I think Brad Hunt getting the wave, uh, this, what was it today? I I think I I wouldn't call it a surprise, but, um, you know, there was a little bit of hope for him maybe being that Jack Johnson replacement. So, uh, now it doesn't seem like he's going to fit the bill, but I don't think all is done for Brad Hunt with the avalanche. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's just a really interesting case to me that, Look, Curtis McDermott is is a good player, and and he plays his role well, knowing what his role is. Jacob McDonald's a, a good trooper, let's call him. Maybe it's time for him to step up and prove that he's a regular NHLer, let's say, compared to how Nick Holden did the first year of Patrick Waugh, where he was nothing but a tweener and then became an NHL regular. And now he's 37, and he's still riding high with the Ottawa Senators. Um, maybe this is that year for Jacob McDonald, but... It's really curious to me if the Avalanche... Look, we know who their top six are. It's Makar and Taves, and then in no particular order, it's Manson, Gerard, Eric Johnson, and Byram. But then after that, it drops off to McDonald and McDermott. Like, 
is that the way they want to go? I know last year they only ended up like it was a surprise to see them only use seven defensemen in the playoffs. Usually teams use eight, nine, 10, 11 of them even. But to lose Jack Johnson and to lose Ryan Murray uh, for nothing for both of them, and, and you know they both signed league men or close to league men contracts with other teams in the Western Conference, like do you want your first injury replacement right away to go down from, you know, Devon Taves is injured and replacing him in the lineup is this guy and it's Jacob McDonald or it's, or it's Curtis McDermott there. Brad Hunt kind of struck me as the guy that was going to be that middle ground right there. That Jack Johnson, that Ryan Murray that separates the deeper down the depth McDermott and McDonald's from your regulars. And uh, he gets sent down. It's, it's a, it's an interesting case, but again, I'm not by any means saying the sky is falling. The waiver wire is a thing. The avalanche might end up picking someone else. Maybe they're two or three injuries deep pretty early in the season. And you're like, all right, cool. We do need some more defensemen. But it's just interesting that they're going into the season without that D depth that makes made them so good last year. Uh, I, I guess I have a, a different theory about it. I, of course, I have no idea if this is the line of thinking from Coach Bednar and Chris McFarlane and Joe Sackick. But, of course, you you want Brad Hunt to get games, right? So you, the best place he's going to do that and get heavy minutes is the Colorado Eagles. It feels like they like to keep a group of guys, right? Call it a taxi squad, call it scratches, call it what you will. But guys like McDonald, McDermott, that they can throw out there in a pinch. It's an emergency. They're on the road. They just found out that one guy went down. They don't have time to call up a guy like Brad Hunt. Meanwhile, Brad Hunt's still in, in Loveland getting some good games, getting some good minutes. And then, okay, we need a, we need to call up Brad because we've got an injury. Um, now we had some time to assess it, some time to get Brad to travel. You know, So it's almost like there's a, in case of emergency, break glass Jacob McDonald. And then <laughs> you got your plan B in Brad Hunt and you know guys of the sort that are still playing with the Eagles. So basically you're kind of implying Brad Hunt is in this scenario, your seventh defenseman, but he's your seventh defenseman playing in the AHL until you need that seventh defenseman. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean that, that, that honestly is not a bad, bad theory. Like that kind of makes some sense because even when you look at, look, I I'm still kind of intrigued by this player for him number one signing a two-year deal and number two for him being someone that was actually a pretty decent factor on the Vancouver Canucks last year after Bruce Boudreaux was hired and they went 32-15 and two I think it was they were the second best team in the Pacific Division after that hiring of Bruce Boudreaux and he signs a two-year deal and it just kind of seemed like he was going to be that next guy replacing Jack Johnson and Ryan Murray but I guess to go along with your theory, something that he also did do was he signed a two-way deal. So in the NHL, his base salary this season is seven fifty, and next season is seven seventy-five. Which, by the way, is because in twenty twenty-three twenty-four, the NHL league min is no longer seven fifty; it is seven seventy-five. So he signed a two-year league min contract, but he also has a minor salary of four hundred and four hundred fifty k. So it sounds like maybe part of the agreement was like you're going to be playing in the minors for some years or for some games, and when we need you, we'll call you up. Whereas someone like Jack Johnson, you know, he came in on a PTO, signed a one-year contract, league minimum, one-way contract. That's the kind of guy that maybe is a little more okay with riding the pine. Maybe he's a little more okay with being the number seven, number eight defenseman, being the healthy scratch, you know, similar to how Mark Barbario was for so long. Um, but with Brad Hunt, maybe it's someone they actually want playing in the minors because it's been a while since he's played in the minors. He's been an NHL regular for a few years now. So I like that theory, and I think it, it kind of there's there's some grounds to it. And 
he didn't do anything that wowed me, but he also didn't do anything to me that said he was terrible. So I, I like where your head's at on that bar, on that front. Yeah, and they had him playing some power play minutes the other night against Minnesota at home. And, um, you know, they also had put him through the whole media day shabacle. Shabacle, that's not even a word. Um, they put him through the whole media day nonsense, right, which I don't think – I think there has to be some coordination between the PR team and the coaching staff slash GM saying, hey, tell us the guys that you think are going to get quality avalanche minutes so that way we can make a little clip of them for the intro video or whatever it is. So I think, you know, reading between the lines, I think there's there's still a place for Brad Hunt to, to get some decent minutes yeah. this year, but keep those skills sharp in the AHL. Yeah, which is also fascinating because when you look at the last five seasons for him, in 2022, he played 50 games with the Canucks, three goals, 14 assists, 17 points. In 2021, and again, injuries could be a factor. I have not looked into this. But in 2021, he played zero games in the AHL, only 12 regular season games with the Wild. Obviously, that's 12 of 56, not 12 of 82. In 2020, when the NHL season was paused around 69 to 70 games for each team, he played in 59 games for the Minnesota Wild. 2019, he played... 29 games for the Wild, 13 games for the Golden Knights. 2018, he played 45 games for the Golden Knights. What you're not realizing here is the last time he played in the AHL was the 2016-17 season with the Chicago Wolves, where he had, get this, nine goals and 29 points in 23 games. So if he was doing that good in the AHL, is this dude going to be a point per game for the Eagles and then called up when needed? That kind of seems to be the case because the year before that, he had 41 points in 57 games in the AHL. So he's he's a big point producer in the minors, and it kind of seems like the Avalanche had him slotted for that to be a guy that plays in the AHL, but also under the understanding that like, hey, you're our seventh and a half defenseman. Like you, know, like you said, break glass emergency. We got a Jacob McDonald or a Curtis McDermott. Otherwise, if it's, you know, we find out when we come home, God forbid, or something that Manson's out for 12 games for three weeks or four weeks, we'll just call up Brad Hunt and play him as a regular. Right. Exactly. So I guess sticking with the AHL guys, there's a group of them that got cut this week as well. And you and I have been keeping an eye on those fringe players, right? Well, about five of those fringe players were sent to the Eagles, and that is Alex Bocage, Bocage, Jean-Luc Foudy, Keaton Middleton, Oscar Olison, and Sampo Ranta. So um, especially with guys like Ranta, Olison, um, I think those were guys we were maybe hoping that would, would really take a step and had a chance to fight for maybe one of the last lineup spots, but now it's clear that uh, they are out of the competition. I would separate the two. Oscar Olison did not join the Eagles last year until late in the year uh, from the Barry, I want to say the Barry Colts is where he played juniors. Um, so he came on late. This is going to be his first full season as a pro hockey player. And this is a guy that was drafted in 2021. So three years after Martin Kaut. I don't even think he's 20 years old yet, but I will double check that. So this is a player that he looked good. But it's all positives around him. There's no, yeah, he's still 19 until November 10th. So there was, it's all positives around him. There's no pressure similar to Martin Cowder urgency for him to prove his his worth. But for someone like Sampo Ranta, it is a little concerning that he gets sent down this quick because, again, he was a regular a couple of years ago. He came out of college playing for Minnesota and was kind of supposed to be that guy that helps the Avalanche, is one of those AHL depth players. And lo and behold, it, it just hasn't worked out since the 2021 playoff loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. And now there's guys that we're going to talk about, like Martin Kaut, you know, who we have talked about, and like Shane Bowers, who survived another round of cuts, but Sampo Ranta didn't. So it is a little bit more... Uh, uh, 
a little more concerning for him, not the end of the road, again, just like Martin Kaut, but I would separate him and Olison because Olison, what he proved was that he's taken those next steps and he's ready to make another jump, hopefully this upcoming season, his first full year with the Eagles. Maybe he gets a call up at some point. Yeah, I mean, looking at the the names that still remain, right? I think it's it's wild how close this competition is. You have a lot of guys that are very capable of taking over this role, so it's nice from the Avalanche perspective to have this many options, but you'd hate to let too many guys just sit and rot in the AHL. But again, looking at the guys that still remain on this fringe um, competition, you got Mikhail Maltsev, Martin Kaut, you got Bleed, Ben Myers, Megna, Sedlak, and Bowers. Um, real quick, put a put a pause on that. Do you think Ben Myers is a mainstay with the team? Like, is he a lock to make the actual Avalanche roster, or do you think he is in this competition of fringe guys? So that's the guy that I was thinking of in my head when I was talking about that comparison to Maltsev last year. I'm not saying Ben Myers is a bust. I'm just saying I don't think he's done enough in camp to. A, be a regular, and B, be the guy that, you know, in my brain, you slot in as the third-line winger, not even a fourth-liner. Um, I think Ben Myers, there needs to be a little bit more urgency in his game to, you know, solidify a roster spot. So I would absolutely, Sedlak, Bleed, Myers, Maltsev, Bowers, Cow. I would absolutely put those all in the same category, including Ben Myers. Okay, so now let's resume the conversation. Looking at this group of guys that is still around, who is shining to you? Um, and I guess you'd, you'd like to take them all, right? You'd like to give them all a chance and give them all a game here, give them all, all you know, a chance there. But there's only so many you can take. So we've talked about Cout. Any of those other guys you think are a sneaky pick for a, a lineup spot? So let's let's do it this way. Starting from the top, when fully healthy, which we know is not the case because at least Landeskog's out, and right now Helm hasn't resumed skating with the team yet, Nichushkin has. But when fully healthy, let's start from the top. I'm not spe- specifying lines, but just listing forwards. You got Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen, Lekkinen, Nichushkin, Alex Newhook. That's six. Rodriguez, Comfort. That's seven. That's eight. Helm, Comfort, or sorry, Helm, Cogliano, O'Connor. That's eleven forwards. So when fully healthy, you got 11 guys where the weakest link of the 11 are guys like Cogliano and O'Connor, and those are sure bets, and Helm, and those are sure bets to play. So that's 11 forwards when healthy. Then you got the guys we just talked about, Ben Myers, Lucas Sedlak, Anton Bleed, Martin Kaut, Shane Bowers, Mikhail Maltsev, six guys. So right now you have 11 forwards that are guaranteed, one of them who we know for sure is missing opening night, Landeskog. So you got six guys. Two spots available for opening night, assuming no other injuries happen, and Darren Helm is healthy. Who of those six guys are playing? Is it going to be Sedlak and Myers? Is it going to be Kaut and Myers? Is it going to be Kaut and Sedlak and Myers is kind of you know told to take that next step? But that's ultimately the way you have to look at it is the Avalanche have 11 forwards. Like You're not scratching Andrew Cogliano for Bowers. You might scratch Ben Myers for Bowers. So who from that group of six is going to step up as the 12th forward, which leading into training camp, for me, it would have been a sure thing of, of Ben Myers having that spot. And then even if Ben Myers earns that spot and he's number 12, who's the guy that you rely on as your first injury call-up? Who's the Nicholas Abe Kubel? Who's, who's that Nico Sturm? Who's that guy? Because when I asked Jared about it after the last preseason game, 
Lucas Sedlak and Anton Bleed were the two guys he talked about as pretty much directly replacing Sturm and and Abi Kubel. That's kind of the thought process behind those two acquisitions. But is that a sure thing, or is it going to be someone like Martin Kaut plays himself back into this uh, into this conversation, or is it Mikhail Maltsev who makes that step that we expected from him last year, or is it Shane Bowers who is going to finally hopefully become the last first round draft pick of the 2017 first round to actually make his NHL debut. So that's kind of the way that I like to look at it. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. I, me secretly, I'm, I guess not so secretly now I'm telling everybody, I, I'm rooting for Bowers. I've been waiting for him to take that next step. I mean, it looks like he has a lot of offensive promise in his game. If he can just maintain himself a, a consistent NHL player, I think he's got great things to provide, almost like this year's Alex Newhook, right? Come in, make an impact, and and start your career off strong. But yeah, I mean, Maltsev, you look at Maltsev, and he was the guy on the taxi squad during the playoffs and the finals. Martin Kaut putting himself kind of in a different conversation so far this year. You got Ben Myers, who kind of seems like that exception considering what he did last year, and then Shane Bowers with the, the little bit of extra offense in there. So yeah, I think it's anyone's game, but at the same time, there's going to be a lot of injuries, in my opinion, this year. And that's just me looking into my crystal ball. I think these guys are all going to have opportunities at one point or another in the regular season. Just about who's putting themselves ahead here early. I believe Shane Bowers last year got injured during training camp. Either during training camp or early into the regular season. I forget exactly when it happened, but he got injured early and he wasn't really healthy and ready to go until January. Um Maybe it was early in the Eagles season, but he missed he missed a big chunk of time last year is basically where I'm getting at. So even if he was sent down, like if Sampo Ranta gets injured next week and is out until January, that sucks because now instead of trying to use October, November and early parts of the AHL season and work your way back into the NHL, you're using that to recover, to work your way back into the AHL to hopefully get back in the swing of things, to get back into game speed and game shape, to hopefully get a call-up from the NHL. So it really sets you back. And that's ultimately what happened with Shane Bowers last year and and why, you know, I'm also rooting for him like you is is this is a player that you know just needs the, you know, the stars to align for one season just to get that first sniff. Like he hasn't even gotten a game and that's kind of crazy to think given how long he's been around. He was part of the Matt Duchesne trade. So I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Martin Kaut. And then if in a pinch you need the veterans and and uh, you need the veterans to step in, well, you have Anton Bleed, who was playing for the Boston Bruins. You have Lucas Sedlak, who I, I think Peter Ball wrote a story about how, um, you know, the reason why Sedlak is back in the NHL is because he wanted to leave the KHL after everything that happened this past year there in, in Russia, that is, in real world news. So um, there are some veteran options there, but ultimately you do want the young guys to make it tough for the coaching staff to play the veterans you want the young guys to give the veterans a reason to really bust their ass off i trust in the heart of hearts that nothing's going to stop andrew cogliano from playing 100 he strikes me as that kind of player like matt calvert was where he's never going to be comfortable darren helm same thing he's never going to be comfortable you know those guys are going to bring it but the next but at, at but the, the same next time step, go ahead at the same time, you know both of those guys have zero chance of playing 100% of the games this year. So they might be bringing 100% effort, but they're not going to be bringing 100% attendance. Why is that? I mean, Andrew Cogliano had uh, one of the NHL's Ironman records until that two-game suspension a couple years ago. Darren Helm, yes. We know Darren Helm got injured quite a few times last year. And, you know, that's ultimately why it was really, really valuable to have someone like Nicholas Abe Kubel off waivers. But... 
basically what I'm saying is when healthy, there's no reason why Helm and Cogliano aren't in your lineup every day. Like I can't see a situation where Martin Kaut plays so well that you're scratching, healthy scratching Andrew Cogliano because Martin Kaut deserves to play. Those two guys are going to bring it just like Matt Calvert, just like Matt Nieto and, and Blake Como and those lowered lineup guys. Uh, Blake Como outside of the 2017 season, he was pretty bad that year. But um, these other veterans and Lucas Sedlock and Anton Bleed, the reason why I can't say the same thing about them is because we don't have a proof of concept on these guys right now. We've not seen what they can provide, but what we do know is they are good veteran options and they will be used as such, but there's also some young guys that are going to be sniffing down their neck and breathing down their neck and like, kind of like, Hey, we're, we're here too. And we want to play. And it's Martin Cowett. It's Shane Bowers. Ultimately, when you're Jared Bednar, as much as you made that comment earlier about, you don't want these guys to rot in the AHL for so long as a winner, that's what happens. You pick the best players to play. It's the same reason why Gustav Nyquist and Thomas Tatar, I think they were 23 and 24 before they were regulars with the Red Wings. That team was so good. They don't have time to give a 10-game showcase to every young kid. You got to put up or shut up, and we're going to play our best forwards. And if Lucas Sedlak gives you a better chance to win than Ben Myers, let alone Martin Kaut, Shane Bowers, and Maltsev, that's who's going to play. So these kids obviously know that. They know they've joined a good team, and it's it's why that they're you know, trying to fight the way they are and why... I think Martin Kaut and Shane Bowers both have gotten the hint they need to have good training camps. Again, I still think opportunities will be abundant this year. So 100%. I'm with you. Injuries still happen. Injuries still happen. Like when I talked about the Brad Hunt defense thing, like you have to remember there was a very, first of all, Josh Manson wasn't acquired until the trade deadline. So that's one fewer guy. Uh, Ben, uh, Bowen Byram, not Ben Myers. Bowen Byram was injured for a very long time. So that's another guy that you didn't have. Injuries happen. Ryan Murray was a regular for a big chunk of the season. Jack Johnson was a regular for the big chunk of the season. Curtis McDermott played over 50 games, a lot of them on defense. So injuries happen. You do need players to step up. And, and you know, the, the, the depth chart, the top 12 forwards, the top six defensemen, they're not playing 82 games. That's just not a reality. Um, all right, I guess here's a great spot to talk about our friends over at Total Beverage. You're talking about put up or shut up. These guys put up or shut up, and they don't shut up. So everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits. But did you know that they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Um, let's see, Arif. Let's get to... I guess news and notes surrounding the team. The Avs were on the ice today, and as you mentioned, they're down to one group. I think what I want to start with is I didn't expect, and I'm sure you didn't either, Val Nichushkin already shedding that non-contact jersey and being with the regular squad, right? And already up there skating with New Hook, skating with Rodriguez, the Russian machine never breaks. The second baby. line that we were all anticipating and kind of predicting here. Let's see how it pans out. Yeah. Uh, he was a lot closer than Jared set out to make us believe. We haven't seen Darren Helm join the main group yet, but we obviously have seen it from Val Nichushkin. And this is a few days now he skated in a non-contact. I would not be surprised if Val gets a preseason game in before the end. They only have two left, and they're both next week. And uh, I think it's interesting, and I don't remember how it is in years past, but the Avalanche have a week off between the last preseason game and the first regular season game. So I don't remember if that's a normal thing in years past, like pre-COVID when nothing was smushed together. But 
maybe he gets a game in and just kind of see how things go. And then you got a full week of practice before the regular season opener. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised, but I'm also not because he was on the ice the first day of training camp and he's only progressed from there. Uh, if this was something where there was a lot more of a precaution that was being taken, then I would say he wouldn't have skated for a little while. He would have skated by himself for a little bit longer, but it's, it's impressive, but it's also like a breath of fresh air for the avalanche. You do want Val back and you want him back soon because we've talked about it over and over again this past year. The avalanche had like an 800 winning percentage with him in the lineup. And that's what you want is for him to obviously be healthy. I think considering the extent of the break that we saw versus how fast he recovered, you have to imagine he spent almost the entire offseason just healing that thing, staying off of it, resting it, rest, 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 which tells me you kind of lose, you know, maybe a little bit of your strength or a little bit of balance, a little bit of something. So I'm just curious at what percentage he's feeling at right now. Um, you know, we'll get the chance to talk to him. Maybe he'll shed some light on that. You know, they're not too open about talking about their injuries, but I, I'd be curious how healed he currently is because that was a bad break, man. So to, to heal it that fast, you have to really put some intense focus and recovery on that. What is the usual time for something like that? Because it's been about 90-something days since since the Avalanche won the Cup. You know, I'll be honest, I've never broken a bone in my life, so I have no idea. Look at that. Lucky you. Knock on wood. But um, Just my yeah. nose. If That's not a bone, though. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm really curious about how, how long that usually is. But three months seems like a pretty decent amount of time for, for a professional athlete to kind of heal. So, But that was, um, like, beyond a break. Like, that was one step from breaking the skin and being a compound fracture. Like that was fully broken. Like All not right, just we're, snapped. We're, we're going to do some completely disconnected. Here. All right, let's play doctor. Dr. Arif, I know your parents probably wanted you to be a doctor. Here you are <laughs> being a hockey journalist. So let's make your parents proud. All right. For hockey players, broken bones, a broken leg takes about 16 weeks. That's not what we're looking for. Uh, here's a, here's an article. Avalanche forward, March 6, 2015. Avalanche forward Nathan McKinnon has a broken foot and will be out six to eight weeks, the team announced Friday, effectively ending his season unless the Avalanche make the Stanley Cup playoffs. That was a 19-year-old Nathan McKinnon. X-rays came back uh, negative, blah, blah, blah. This was two weeks after he scored a hat trick against the Tampa Bay Lightning as a 19-year-old. So six to eight weeks for Nathan McKinnon at 19 years old. Pretty reasonable that 12 to 13 to 14 weeks is enough time for Val Nichushkin. So I guess, again... Okay, I'll get, I'll buy it. Yeah, you have to remember that like there are some injuries where players are aware it is going to suck to play with this. Like Val Nichushkin last year, even Leon Dreisaitl, like that's still the performance of the playoffs for me, seeing that guy hobble himself, hobble his way up and down the ice and still play as good as he did and break records the way he did in the second round against the Flames. But... There are some injuries where players know this is going to suck, but is it going to make the injury worse? Not necessarily. You have a broken foot, and whether you sit today and you start to rehab or you sit in two weeks and you start to rehab, it's, let's say, a six- to eight-week recovery. So that's kind of probably what happened with Val Nichushkin. And maybe the fact that he was in a non-contact jersey for those first couple days was a precaution. Maybe that was Jared Bednar saying, I know you're probably healthy. I know you're ready to go, but we're still going to skate you by yourself first. Maybe maybe Sean Allard and the skills team wanted to get a look at how he was skating before joining him with the team and having him shed that non-contact. So um, 
now that we've done the research, honestly, it doesn't surprise me. It's been it's been over three months. I think the to, I think the uh, parade was three months ago tomorrow, Friday. Not to mention, he's probably got some of the best medical care in the world. Russian so. machine never breaks. Yeah, <laughs> probably has some, some magical Ru- Russian he- healing Russian potion. gas, baby. Let's do it. Russian gas. <laughs> Russian Russian beans. Um, moving on, I guess. We already talked about Andrew Cogliano a little bit. Missing practice today. Curtis McDermott as well. I guess anything to look into that or just, you know, whatever's still got time till till opening night. So I did not attend practice today, but Peter Baugh did. And he said when uh, Jared Bednar was asked about them, he said that it was uh, they both had small tweaks and they'll skate on their own tomorrow. Hopefully we'll join the group after Jared Bednar said he's not concerned. So it's just precaution. It's training camp precaution. Again, the Avalanche had one group today. And uh, just to kind of go over those lines, I know you mentioned Rodriguez, Newhook, Nachushkin, but Lekkinen, McKinnon, Rantanen was the top line. Third line, Myers, Comfer, O'Connor. So it looks like Myers is slotting in with Comfer in that spot. And then Bleed, Sedlak, Kaut, Maltsev, Megna, Bowers as the extras, uh, you know, making up the fifth line, so to speak. And then obviously Cogliano being out and Helm being out is the reason why the fourth line is all new people. So um, looks like both of those guys will be back pretty soon. Nothing to really look into. Um, but, you know, again, there's some battles in there, and, and Ben Myers is getting another opportunity here on the third line. Yeah, and I think just a testament is there's there's going to be bits and pieces of the season where one guy falls, comes back two days later. One guy goes down, comes back another day later. So, um, you know, having this platoon, I guess, of, of AHL guys that I think are on the verge of being NHL ready is, is just a great luxury. One of the many, many luxuries that the Colorado Avalanche hold. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, it's just good to see that they have this kind of depth and it's just good to see that, you know, we don't really know what's going on with Landeskog, but I, I mentioned this before. It's just good to see they don't have two, three, four injuries heading into the season, similar to the Bruins who Marshawn, Grizzlick and Charlie McAvoy are all going to miss multiple months early in the season. So the Avalanche really did make away pretty pretty well after that Stanley Cup playoff run last year, and it helps when you only lose four times and only need twenty games to win it all. Um, I think that's all for what we've got on the docket. Of course, we've still got our extra little segment, the extra attacker. We've got another one for you today, and that one's coming from Pierre LeBrun's new podcast, Pierre Dorian, um, Ottawa Senators GM at at the time of the. Matt Duchesne and trade still their GM now, obviously gives uh gives his insight yeah and still their GM now gives his insights and and a little tidbit from the from the trade and dealing with Mister Sackett. Go ahead and take it away. Eric. Yeah, so it's the Got Your Back podcast with LeBron and Rashog, which by the way, two phenomenal follows and just two phenomenal guys, Ryan Rashog and Pierre LeBron, both at TSN. Um, they were talking to Pierre Dorian about how easy or hard or difficult or like how it how trades come about, and Pierre just dropped this. I, to me, it's a hilarious bombshell, not necessarily a bombshell, but just a hilarious tidbit where he said, you know, like, for example, when we were putting together the Matt Duchesne trade, that one took a while because it took about a week until his exact words are not what I'm saying, but it was basically, it took about a week to get the trade done because Joe Sackick wanted us to add a third rounder. So this is what I'm understanding is... The Avalanche, the, the the Predators, and the Senators have this massive trade haul for, you know, this massive trade for Matt Duchesne kind of put together. The Natural Predators are sitting there twirling their thumbs saying, for Kyle Turris, obviously they're part of the trade, 
were willing to give up Kamenev, Girard in a second. And the Ottawa Senators are willing to give up Kyle Turris to Nashville and also give the Avalanche their recent first-round draft pick in Shane Bowers. They're wanting to give up Andrew Hammond, a depth goalie. They're wanting to give up their first-round draft pick. They're wanting to give up... Well, yeah, that's it. Those three pieces. And Joe Sackick held this entire trade pretty much just on his own, held this up, let both teams wait because he wanted the Ottawa Senators to add a third-round draft pick. And that is just hilarious to me because third-rounders rarely make the NHL. And the Avalanche drafted Matthew Steinberg with that third-round draft pick. He might never make the NHL, but Matt Duchesne's life was miserable for an extra week with the Avalanche in 2017. (laughs) The Nashville Predators were twirling their thumb waiting to get this second-line center in Kyle Turris. The Ottawa Senators were twirling their thumb waiting to add Matt Duchesne because Sackick made everybody wait a week to get a third-round draft pick. Like, Like, what a hilarious turn of events. I just I love the idea that, you know, Joe Sagic being the super nice, polite, quiet guy that we've always known him to be, the idea that he's just a master vicious negotiator and just ruthless. I mean, it's just a funny image in my mind. Like he's he's this person in right like Instagram versus reality and we see him as this person, but then when he's on the phone, he turns into uh, Tom Cruise from Tropic Thunder, right? <laughs> no, but what's hilarious is he's probably still that guy. It's like, hey, Joe, how is it going? Oh, I'm doing great. How are the wife? How is the wife? How are the kids? How is everything going? How is hockey for your oldest son? How is this? How is that? How is how are things in Ottawa? Great, great, great. Thanks for asking all these questions. Uh, anyway, you want to get the trade done? No, still waiting on that third round pick. Like, you know, he just does it in a nice way, but he's so, <laughs> he draws the line and he, he's so strict on where he draws that line. I love it. I don't know. I like to picture him just cussing people out and yeah. yelling and just being <laughs> polar opposite of all who we know him to be. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for today's episode. Pretty decent timing. 45 minutes. Not bad for a midweek. We usually shoot for 30 to 45 and here we are. So um, I guess any closing thoughts, Arif? I have one. Keep an eye, everybody, on the hockey show Saturday. Just heard back from Ryan Bolding. There's about an 85% chance that it's going to be Arif and I running the show. So either way, we've got some uh, fun stuff planned, and, and it's just going to be a good show for you on Saturday. Yeah, Those well, are my closing thoughts. Yeah, that's that's my closing thoughts as well. If, if we get that show Saturday, it'll be a different twist, but we'll get it up here so you guys can hear it as well. Um, other than that, we'll try to get a guest on to be determined on who that is, hopefully someone that we all enjoying this market but um we'll see the hockey show will be great and regular seasons in 13 days and get this two weeks from this exact moment i'm going to be in calgary preparing for the avalanche flames game calgary season opener the day after the avalanche season opener where you know on a back-to-back on the road the avalanche are going to get lit up like five to two and Kadri's going to have like two goals and two assists and just shove it down everybody's throat so it's just it's going to be an exciting time but we're that close to hockey season i'm so pumped Good tease on the guest for the hockey show. And, yeah, I'm excited to see how Kadri approaches the press conferences, right? Does he do his natural, um, I'm here to be honest and tell you all the things I need to tell you? Or is, does he go with the, this is the early regular season, I'm going to zip it up and, and Oh, he's you know, you know he's going to be honest. He's going to come on there and be like, I got to be honest. Landis Cox's <laughs> a dick. I never liked that guy. There's just something just out of the blue where he'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> Homelander Skog. That's a, that's a joke for all the people out there that watch the boys um that being said i guess this is a good place to stop once we're i'm talking about something you don't even know of yeah, so i just sorry, i gave so. you a very friendly chuckle there of not knowing yeah. what the hell you were talking about 
Well, if you're not watching the boys, you're be- you're behind. That's all. That's what I spent my off season doing. Once the Stanley Cup hit, I was it was recommended to me by a couple people, so I spent the whole off season binge watching that. So I just finished it. Highly recommend. I was Highly busy recommend. with this house you convinced me to buy. So, <laughs> oh, give me a break. You love that house. <laughs> um, yeah, calendar's going out Friday. Other than that, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless that pretty little heart of yours. Let's make hockey for everyone, and we out you.